You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into the podcast on a Tuesday. Hope you all are doing fantastic wherever you might be listening in from. Plenty to get to ahead on today's show. We'll recap what we learned at BYU football yesterday. Had a chance to watch part of practice, share some of my takeaways from that. We'll also get you some of the audio highlights from the press session. Kalani Satake, as well as Baylor Romney speaking to the media. Even an interesting comment about the best cornerback on BYU's roster, according to Neil Pau, that we'll touch on. Today's show will also look at BYU basketball, a new commit that rounds out BYU's roster ahead of the upcoming season, ostensibly. We'll dig into that, and of course, we'll continue our look back at BYU football history, looking at the 2004 season and the end of the Gary Croton tenure as head coach of the Cougars. So plenty to get to, and it's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, on a Tuesday, let's have some fun. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for August 10th, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a huge thank you to you guys for your support of the podcast, as always. Whether you're a longtime listener or you're tuning in for the very first time, thank you for taking some time to join us on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. We cover mainly football and basketball around here, but we cover all sports along the way and a lot to get to ahead on today's show so without further ado let's get into it right off the bat as BYU held media availability yesterday for just the second time it was their fourth day of practices today will be day five of training camp for the Cougars they'll have 20 practices after that after this in the countdown to the upcoming football season it's coming fast folks it's crazy to think how close it is and we're going to have a lot of fun along the way so hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there but some of my takeaways yesterday because we had a chance to watch the tail end of practice we watched some seven on seven drills pascal our skeleton for those of you uh, who know what i'm talking about it's seven on seven drills no linemen in those drills they were working on pass rush and pass blocking technique on the other end of the field But the 7-on-7 drills featured four different quarterbacks throwing the ball. We saw Jaron Hall. We saw Baylor Romney. We also saw Jacob Conover. And even Soljay Maiava-Peters made an appearance at quarterback running with the team, uh, ostensibly the ones. So there were some backups mixed in there, the twos and threes as well throughout all this. But I came away very impressed with all the quarterbacks. They all showed poise. A lot of different route combinations showed to the media. A lot of flooding the zone. All that type of stuff. And I know I'm speaking in very... Very weird terms when it comes to what you're probably expecting from this podcast. But one thing I really liked was that the fact that BYU's defensive backs are not backing down from a challenge when it comes to facing off against BYU's wide receivers. Guys like Gunnar Romney and Neil Pau were very well established. Guys like Puka Nakua and Samson Nakua, well, they have proven things both at the prep level and already at the collegiate level in the case of Samson Nakua that make them threats. So I really like the fact that BYU's defensive backs, they love to create 
Pro, and they're having a good time out there. D'Angelo Mandel had a fantastic interception, the only one that the media observed during practice, and it was quite the haul as he pulled that ball in for the pick and was celebrating wildly. Uh, and funny enough, when we had a chance to speak with Neil Pau after practice, the question was asked, well, what is the best unit on the defense? Maybe a player that's standing out. And here's what Neil Pau had to say. I think uh, D'Angelo Mandel, I think he's... Uh, he had a nice grab today, right? Yeah, he did. He did have a nice grab today, and I think he's just, he's looked the best. It's hard to go against him because he's so patient and stuff, but uh, just from my perspective, I think he's done the best. So according to Neil Pau, the best defensive back, the best cornerback on BYU team is D'Angelo Mandel, and that should be music to people's ears. I've really thought that D'Angelo Mandel had the skill set to become that quote-unquote alpha, the lead dog, if you will, for that cornerback group, and according to Neil Pau, he's really patient, he's really come into his own, and that should be some good news for BYU fans. One guy that I was impressed with just in terms of his overall tenacity and his, his spirit, his demeanor on the field, was Oregon State transfer Caleb Hayes. He is a very, very lively individual on the field, really likes to get after it, pumping up his teammates, and when he's going one-on-one with these BYU receivers, he is not afraid to let them know exactly what he's thinking. So it's really fun to see this defensive back versus wide receiver dynamic developing, and it's nothing antagonistic, I don't think, on either side. They're just getting after it, trying to show what they can do, and you should be actually very excited for that if you're a BYU fan, in my personal opinion, and we'll continue to track how that goes. A couple other standouts I felt like from that 7-on-7 drill, I really like what I'm seeing from Isaac Rex. He looks even more fluid than he did last year as BYU's breakout star of the 2020 campaign, in my opinion. He is going to be an absolute weapon for this BYU offense. And he his ability on the field, well, there's plenty of other tight ends out there as well who have shown that they can get after it. But I really, really like Isaac Rex, folks, based on what I saw. And like I said, I'm talking, I saw, I think we saw 15 to maybe 20 minutes at the very, very most as media members. That was a part of just a two-hour practice. But some interesting things. I'll be a sure to pass along anything I hear from our practice insiders, guys who have watched the entirety of practices. They'll be sure to pass along some stuff and we'll bring that to you guys. Now, a couple of highlights from the rest of the media sessions that we had. We also spoke with Kalani Satake as well as, Gun- uh, not Gunnar Romney, Baylor Romney. Gunnar Romney was in practice. We talked about him a little bit earlier, but Baylor Romney, his older brother, the quarterback, spoke to the media and some very interesting comments. We'll start off with Baylor here. Just a couple of things on what he is looking to do. And he simply put it, the quarterback battle is going to be one that is going to be fierce, but it's also going to be one that he believes he can win. Here you go. Um, it's competitive. I mean, those guys, they want it. I want it. And we'll see how, how it turns out in the next couple of weeks. Reps have been even so far. They want it. I want it. I actually really like that mentality from Baylor Romney. I have talked to him multiple times over the past few years. He's been on BYU's roster. He's not a man of many words. I'll I'll be frank about that. Kind of similar to Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall is not a huge talker himself. Jacob Conover little more uh, apt to speak to the media and really give you more wordy answers, but I really like that. They want it. I want it. And they're going to go after it. Speaking of Baylor Romney, as well as Jaron Hall and Jacob Conover, it's a three-way battle for that starting quarterback job. And reps have been distributed evenly to this point. According to Baylor, he also said later that reps, according to Aaron Roderick, are going to be split evenly through the first two weeks of camp before anything else is decided. So still plenty of time for them to make a decision, speaking of the BYU coaching staff, but something to pay attention to along the way. One other note, one other clip here I want to play from Baylor Romney is he was asked, well, what is your style? 
style as a quarterback. And here's what he had to say. I feel I play a very poised game of football. And my mindset is playing quarterback is to distribute the ball to the playmakers and let them be the ones that make plays on time. I really like guys who have self-awareness. And that is what Baylor Romney has. Just is my perception of Baylor Romney. But that is what he is. He's a distributor. He gets the ball to the guys when it needs to be there and lets them make plays. And there are a lot worse things you can do on a football field than to be a quote-unquote game manager or a distributor as a quarterback. And Baylor Romney, his biggest strength, in my opinion, is the fact that he is as steady as they come. He is cool, cool as a cucumber under pressure. He just does his job to the best of his ability, and that is going to be his calling card when it comes to his chance to be the QB1, the starting quarterback for BYU this fall. As I've stated previously on this podcast, I still think that Jaron Hall has the inside track of being the guy against Arizona, but only time will tell on that front. Now, before we uh, move on to other topics here, I wanted to get to a note or two from Kalani Sitake from his media session. Well, he was asked during his media session, what is your thought on the progress of the offense through four days of practice? And here's what Kalani's assessment was. I feel good with, with the offense. I feel good with the progress that they're, make, that they're making there day to day. And obviously, um, you know, we're taking advantage of all the time we have on the field. But been pleased with the way the coaches are working with the players and the leadership that I'm seeing from the team. So I think they're doing, doing exactly what we, we expect them to do right now. So if you had any concern with in terms of where BYU stood as they come into the 2021 season, at least four days into camp, Kalani Satake wants you to know that this team is on track, especially offensively in his opinion, as they look to follow up the 2020 breakout year that they had with another solid season. That's their goal this year. One final note from Kalani is that he was asked about what's going on with the three quarterbacks and if the quote-unquote ability to rally the troops to really get guys going to be that field general will that be a determining factor in this race and if so is there a guy who's standing out in that regard here's what Kalani said about that all three of those guys can do that so I don't know if one's better than the other I'm just I'm glad that that uh, we have this problem with uh, three guys that can play and then and I'm seeing some really good things from the other guys as well so I mean right now because all three of those guys handle that stuff really well it's it's what I want to see on the field and what I want to see in the in the, uh, in the meeting rooms and seeing how they kind of connect with a rod that's going to be that's going to be the the key that separates one from the other there you go Kalani Sitake and he says all three of those guys have the ability to quote-unquote, lead the troops and really get them going. We'll see what happens. I think that he's right in the fact that BYU does have three legitimate starting quarterback options, three guys who could be the guy and lead BYU to success. I truly believe that the BYU staff thinks that they have that much talent in the quarterback room currently. The sad part is only one of them is going to be the quote-unquote guy this year, and that's just kind of the hard truth of it. You have to make your determination, and barring an injury, the other guys will have to bide their time and wait for their opportunity down the road. But I really think that this staff, and based on everything I hear inside the program, is they think all three of these guys offer something that can help this program win. And we'll see who ultimately is the winner in the end when it comes to who trots out there for the first snaps against Arizona. And like I have stated previously, my money is on Jaron Hall being that guy. 
All right, coming up here in just a minute, though, we'll look back at BYU football history. 2004 for the Cougars. How did things go as Gary Croton tries to turn things around after back-to-back losing seasons? Some of you may know the answer to that, but we'll dig into it in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Stat Hero, guys. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really all that surprising if you really think about it? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who do this for a daily job, who have more tools and more time than you do. You don't stand a chance. That's why I wanted to introduce you guys to our good friends at Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and, sh- and dares you, excuse me, to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. So check it out, guys. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's absolutely unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Once again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. And check it out. That's Stat Hero, our good friends right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, folks, our look back at BYU football history continues now with a look at the 2004 season. And Gary Croton, for all the things that people want to say about him and I guess what we'll call revisionist history now, there was something that was very unique about him, and it was his ability to recruit high-level athletes. And I mean this sincerely. Gary Croton, when he came to BYU, he made recruiting one of the focuses, for better or worse, of his tenure as head coach of the Cougars. As the 2004 season dawned, BYU was facing back-to-back losing seasons. They just Excuse me, they'd endured back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in more than 40 years. Obviously, a lot of discontent in Provo, looking to get things back on track. And there was some hope that the recruiting class that BYU signed in 2004 would be kind of the baseline for getting that going. Let me explain who BYU signed in the 2004 recruiting class that really I think became absolute studs down the road and never ultimately got to realize their potential with Gary Croton as their head coach. But some of these names, let's list them off. Ray Fainga, Austin Colley, Todd Watkins, Vince Fayula, Jason Beck, uh, Michael Reed, Matt Putnam, Nick Aletto, uh, let's see, Nick Longshore, other ones I'm reading here, Terrence Brown. Just think of some of these names. You probably know these names because they were guys who in the latter half of the 2000s, so from 2005 onwards, became backbone or pillars of the BYU football program. I think the biggest name in that group, obviously, is Austin Colley, but some very, very good players. And Gary Croton was really feeling the heat at this point. Let's be real about 2004. Obviously, those back-to-back losing seasons had him under the gun. He needed to respond. He needed to get things going. The other issue was that off-the-field issues became became a major issue. There were allegations of a gang rape in Provo. It wiped out essentially an entire recruiting class's worth of defensive back talent. I remember that. I believe the lovely twins were mixed up in that. Just an absolutely horrific situation. When your football program, by the way, uh, convenes the first grand jury in Utah County history, that's not the type of history you want to be making. So all kinds of distractions for Gary Croton as head coach of BYU. But 2004 was a make it or break it year for him. There was absolutely no doubt about that for the Cougars. And things opened up 
as well as you probably could expect. BYU was welcoming Notre Dame to Lavelle Edwards Stadiums, one of the rare trips that the Fighting Irish have made to Provo in their illustrious history as a football program. On September 4th, I was in attendance at this game watching the Cougars take on the Fighting Irish, and the Cougars had an absolutely stellar debut from both Austin Collie and Todd Watkins in this game, if you will recall, and it resulted in a 20-17 to victory. And I remember walking out of that game thinking, wow, Oh, if they're going to play this well, maybe they are going to turn things around with Gary Croton. But following that, one of the best schedules, we talked about this on yesterday's podcast, 2003 had one of the best non-conference slates and just one of the best schedules ever compiled in BYU history. Well, 2004 is right there with it because the following week, BYU went to Stanford to take on the Cardinal and were summarily crushed 37-10. to The following week, number one ranked USC came to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to take on the Cougars. ESPN game, 63,000 fans in the stands. I think the official attendance number here 63,467 and USC played every bit the part of the Leviathan that they were. They beat BYU 42-10 to and I'm not going to lie, I did not get to attend this game folks. I had high school football. I was a senior during the 2004 season at Mountain View High School in Orem. I did not get to attend this game but I watched this game and the fact that USC was in Provo as the number one team Reggie Bush, Lendell White, Thunder and Lightning themselves, Matt Leinert. <sighs> One of my major regrets is not seeing that game in person. But nonetheless, BYU falls to 1-2 and two after an absolutely incredible start to the season. Think about that. They played Notre Dame, Stanford, and USC in successive weeks to open the year. Oh, and then the following week, they went to number 21 Boise State up there in Bronco Stadium. And this game, I think, will stick in the craw of BYU fans because of one simple thing. Matt Payne, the legendary kicker himself, missed an absolute chip shot field goal that would have given BYU a 30-28 victory. But alas, BYU loses 28-27, dropping them to 1-3. So suddenly the good feelings from Notre Dame obviously are long gone. You're sitting at 1-3. Your back's up against the wall if you're the BYU football program. Calls for Gary Gary Croton, excuse me. Wow, that was a, that was interesting. Calls for Gary Croton to be fired were getting louder and louder. The Cougars responded the next week with a win at Colorado State, thirty-one to twenty-one, but then lost to UNLV in Provo, twenty-four to twenty. That loss against UNLV, in my opinion, this is just me speaking. I felt like it was that loss that sealed the fate of Gary Croton. I could be wrong about that, but that's just my personal opinion. They did follow that up with three straight wins. They beat Wyoming 24 to 13, beat Air Force in Colorado Springs 41 to 24, and then beat San Diego State in their biggest blowout victory of the year 49 to 16. So suddenly going into the final two games of the season, BYU's on a little bit of a roll here. They have five wins against four losses. They're back above 500, but then they lose once again in inexplicable fashion in Provo at home to New Mexico, 21-14, dropping them to 5-5 five and five on the year, and then they go to Salt Lake City to take on the suddenly surging number 5 ranked Utes up there at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Urban Meyer's final game at, comes to find out as the head coach of the University of Utah and the Utes 
They let BYU hang around for about a quarter and a half, it felt like, but then pulled away with a 52-21 victory, sealing the fate of BYU with a third straight losing season and sealing the fate of Gary Croton. He would renounce his resignation, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, December 1st of 2004, he announced he was stepping down from his position. A lot of people out there think that he was stepped down under duress. But absolutely, I think absolutely the evidence is right there for it. But he had some things going for him, in my opinion. I already mentioned earlier on the recruiting class that he brought in in 2004. There were other good players from the 2002 and 2003 recruiting classes that would become key parts of Bronco Mendenhall's tenure. But BYU, for everything they endured with that 5-6 and six record, did finish third in the Mountain West Conference. Utah finished the season number four. They played in that Fiesta Bowl. They were 12-0, and 7-0 in West Coast, and not West Coast, Mountain West Conference football. Uh, New Mexico, who beat BYU, was 7-5 and five that year under Rocky Long, finishing 5-2 and two in the conference for second place. And then BYU right there behind them, 4-3 and three in conference. So a winning record in conference, but overall that 5-6 and six record, just too much for the BYU football program and the BYU administration to overlook the other glaring issues with the BYU Cougars and as such a change was made at the top. We'll talk about 2005 tomorrow as Bronco Mendenhall comes out of seemingly nowhere to become the head coach of the BYU football program and begins a rebuild that I think many people overlook how tough it was. One, uh, actually a couple of notes here from the 2004 season I want to mention here is actually John Beck's first season as the guy at quarterback for BYU and things went okay. 2,563 yards. He had 15 touchdowns against 80 interceptions. I think BYU fans saw glimpses from Beck that made you think, okay, there's something here that you're going to have to keep an eye on. Curtis Brown also had a fantastic season, finishing with 789 yards and six touchdowns. And obviously, Austin Colley and Todd Watkins, great, great duo at wide receiver. Watkins led the Cougars with 1,042 yards and six touchdowns. Austin Colley, the true freshman sensation himself, 771 yards and eight touchdowns before embarking on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, there were building blocks, folks. There is a thought that is out there, and I've had people express this to me over the years, that what might have happened had Gary Croton been given one more season to get things turned around, had 2005 been the opportunity for him to get things going. Maybe, just maybe, he gets things going. I would say, and this is just my personal opinion, had he beaten uh, UNLV or New Mexico or both of them in the 2004 season gets to a winning record, I honestly believe he gets at least another year as the head coach of the Cougars because he can point to the fact that, yes, we had the back-to-back losing seasons. I know we have off-the-field distractions here, but we're cleaning those up. Give me one more chance at this. And who's to say what might have happened had that ultimately been the case? But there you go. That's the 2004 season. Gary Croton finishes his tenure as head coach of the Cougars with a winning record, 26-23 and overall, obviously helped by that 12-2 and record in his first season. But Bronco Mendenhall becomes the head coach, and we'll talk about 2005 for the Cougars as Bronco takes over as the man in Provo and like I said seemingly coming out of nowhere to get that job and we'll dig into that on tomorrow's podcast all right coming up in a moment though we'll wrap up today's show a note or two on BYU's newest commit for the BYU men's basketball program he fills out the roster for the 2021-2022 season we'll get into that in just a moment today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Rock Auto of course with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models across all lines of vehicles 
vehicles, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store, even your dealership to stock all of the parts that you could need. Why endure their questions and asking what, uh, what, what kind of part is it? What kind of model of car do you have? That type of stuff. When you can go to rockauto.com and search on your own online database, just like they would be doing for you guys. It's really simple. You can do it from the comfort of your home, on your mobile device, on your computer. It's really, really simple. And the overall message from our friends at Rock Auto is they want you guys to both save time and money when using their resource. Why would you choose to spend maybe 30, 50, even 100% markup for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For an example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, just $216 from Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years online. Go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution for all of your auto part needs. I've used it myself. They have taken care of my vehicle, my daily driver. It is absolutely imperative. It stays in tip top shape and I can recommend wholeheartedly that you check out Rock Auto. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure while you're there to write locked on or locked on cougars in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's Rock Auto. .com Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season obviously in full swing, and of course, you can track all that action at Bet Online and all of the sports you're interested in, no matter what it might be NFL, college football, NBA, they've got it all for you guys at Bet Online. Sign up for free today at betonline.ag. You can use your laptop, your home computer, even your mobile device to sign up for free today. And while you're there, take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus offering to all of our listeners. Yes, you heard that right. Free money from a sports book. How many sports books do you know that will do that for you guys? Well, BetOnline will do it. So check them out, guys. That's BetOnline.ag. Promo code locked on to take advantage of that 50% welcome bonus. That's BetOnline.ag. They are your online sports book experts. All right, folks, before we go on today's show, a quick note for you guys about BYU basketball. And congratulations to Paura Winitana, who is the newest member of the BYU men's basketball program. He will be a walk-on with the Cougars this year. He comes to the Cougars by way of American Heritage High School in Lehigh, Utah, playing at the 2A level in the state of Utah, where his father was the head coach for American Heritage. And this is an interesting pickup because Winitana, I don't know much about him, if I'm being frank. I read this on Vanquish the Foe. I believe it was Robin McCombs who broke the news, so congratulations. Robin McCombs is absolutely doing an incredible job on the basketball front with all the news and everything you need to know. So follow Vanquish the Foe and follow Robbie at RT McCombs. I believe you can find him on Twitter. Well, Winnie Tana is an interesting player in the fact that he's six foot six, so he's got good size about him, but he can also play guard or with his size and length, he's got the ability to play as a small ball forward, if that makes sense. A small ball five, if you will, in NBA parlance. And that's very intriguing, I think, for BYU. Mark Pope, he looks for positionless basketball players. That's what he wants to play with. He likes guys who can shoot, he likes guys who can just overall play hoops. He likes to find advantages where he can find them. And a guy like Winnie Tana, yes, as a walk-on athlete, it's a low-risk, potential high-reward option because he'll come in. He's not taking up a scholarship spot that is going to maybe go to a guy you feel like maybe has a bigger impact. But if he proves capable and versatile enough, then you reward him. It's similar to BYU football that we've talked about on the show, folks. They bring in these preferred walk-ons, have them come in and prove themselves. If they beat out guys who are scholarship athletes, 
BYU has proven that they will reward those guys with that long-awaited scholarship. And Paura Winitana, by the way, Paura Winitana, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly first off, but that's a great name and looking forward to seeing him as a member of the BYU basketball program as they get closer and closer to their season. I think we're under 100 days, around like 90 days till college basketball gets going. Crazy, 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 but it's coming fast, folks, and we're having fun along the way. Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, you're going to hear an exclusive conversation that I had with Samson Nakua. Yes, the older brother, the Nakua brothers. Why did he transfer from Utah? Why is he playing in Provo? What does he expect to do in his loan season with the Cougars? We'll get to all that ahead on today's show, as well as some other news and notes involving the BYU football program. And pretty much anything else that pops up between now and then. So until then, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. You can follow my personal Twitter feed if you so desire, if you don't already, at Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, you can feel free to reach out anytime via email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address to reach out to us in that medium. All right, until tomorrow, have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for August 10th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys guys manana <laughs>